Before we get started, we wanted to take a moment and thank Baptist Health for being our community champion sponsor. Baptist Health exists to promote and improve the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of the people and communities it serves. Find out more at baptistfirst.org. And our supporting sponsor is the Alabama Department of Public Health. ADPH's purpose is to provide caring, high-quality, and professional services for the improvement and protection of the public's health through disease prevention and the assurance of public health services to resident and transient populations of the state, regardless of social circumstances or the ability to pay. Find out more at alabamapublichealth.gov. Welcome to Everything Joy to Life, where we offer those affected by breast cancer a place to share their stories, provide insightful information for members of the medical community, and share a variety of engaging lifestyle content to help you live your best life. Through it all, we promote the life-saving mission of the Joy to Life Foundation, which is to provide free mammograms and other breast cancer screenings to the medically underserved in Alabama, build and support breast cancer awareness among all Alabamians, and promote all over good health well-being and education throughout the state. I'm your host, Tommy Fields, and with me, as always, is my co-host. She brings the joy to Joy Life. It's Joy Blondheim. Hey, Hi. Tommy. Hi, Joy. How are you? I'm great. All right. Now, we have two wonderful ladies with us today. We and surely do, Tom. We have got a wealth of stories to get to. I want to introduce, first of all, Betty Ehrlich. Hi, Betty. Hi, Tommy. How are you? I'm great today. Awesome. Oh, I like that. She's great today. Good to know. Good to know. Nice and, to be here. And her daughter, <laughs> Elaine Kirkpatrick. Patrick. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Tommy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Okay. Well, great. Well, Joy, you know these two personally. And I have, sure do. Have for a hot minute or two. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go ahead and get us started. Okay. Okay. Well, um, um, I go so far back with the Ehrlichs. Um, gosh, Betty, I guess you've known me since I was a little girl. Yeah. And I, I always knew Elaine and her brother, Barry. Um, because we went to Sunday school together. Yeah. But I'm so much older than they are <laughs> that <laughs> we weren't, I, it wasn't our inner circle, but right. we always knew each other. Right, yeah. And of course, the Ehrlichs were just champions at our synagogue. I mean, they were just the most wonderful people in the world and, you know, cared so much about not only our synagogue, but the community and uh, just, just, great people and i would like to add right up front and betty has heard me say this publicly before but betty has always been a mentor to me she has been such a shining example of how to live your life and how to be strong and dignified and classy and just all of those things wow so so she she Unknowingly, for sure, right, Elaine? Yes. Unknowingly, for sure, she um, has been been a mentor and a, a really strong person for me and for so many others as well. I mean, I'm not the only one. Right. Everybody feels that way about Betty Early. Oh, so. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I know when, when we started talking about this, anybody we mentioned it to was, oh, that's going to be so good. <laughs> that's going to be so good. Right. Well, I know we featured both of these wonderful ladies in our Joy magazine. Yes, which and, we proudly did i mean it was and people are still talking about the articles so. oh yeah yeah well, and, yeah. and and not for the least of which betty you are a cancer survivor not once not twice but how many times three times, three times. yeah i was gonna say don't forget to, to actually tell us she was, hold, she was hold, <laughs> holding up three fingers which i i understand but anybody who's just listening to the audio may not get that but three times three times yes 
three times. Wow. Now, now, kind of, kind of walk us through your cancer journey. How, how did, how did uh, all this get started? Well, I was fifty years old, and that was the first go round. And and that um, was what diagnosis? They opened me up and closed me back up, and told everybody else that was standing there with my family. That was it. So I had um, all kind of treatments. I had chemotherapy. Chemotherapy, and then I had forty-nine. What kind of radiation? Radi- I had radiation. Forty-nine treatments wow. every day for forty-nine days, except for the weekends. Oh, how nice of them to give you the weekends <laughs> off. Yeah. That was that was right. nice. <laughs> and I had different people that took me there every day, and. Um, of course, I was kind of puny because I'd had surgery, which was turned out to be no surgery because they said the tumor was uh, so close to my spine that if they tried to do something with the tumor, that it might not work. work. And wow. what kind of cancer was that? Well, they diagnosed it back then as pancreatic cancer. Uh huh. Uh huh. Which and then they and how do you, you feel about that? Because well, you know, back then, I mean, the cancer center was not even here in Montgomery. Right. We had a little, Dr. Barnes had a very small office on the service road down from Baptist Hospital. And um, Dr. Barnes was there, but also Dr. Norgard, and that's who Mother's Doctor was. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, we had never heard of Dr. Norgard. And um, I'd never heard of Dr. Barnes either. At that point in time. Mm-mm. That, I mean, it was Dr. Barnes had probably not been in practice very long at that point in time. But Mother had felt bad for so long, and they could not find out what was going on with her. And so they did the exploratory surgery, and when they opened her up, they found this tumor. Closed her back up, told us that they diagnosed it then as pancreatic cancer because they just they weren't sure where it was coming from, and that's just what, what right. they did. And they So when she woke up from surgery... The next morning, Dr. Norgard was sitting on the floor, holding her hand. She'd never seen him before, and he said, Hi, I'm Dr. Norgard. He said, I'm going to take care of you and do everything I can to try to save your life. Wow. Mm. wow. What an introduction. Wow. Right. <laughs> what a doctor he was. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. So now, so you got through the, the pancreatic, and then what, what, was, what was round number two? Ovarian. That came after that which they said was connected. So we had more treatments and more surgery. And then after that, I had breast cancer, but that was luckily for me just, um, what would you call what it was? Just the a lumpectomy? The lumpectomy, right. Okay. And then radiation. And then more radiation. When so now- the breast cancer was very early stage? Yes, uh, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Now I know you're not supposed to talk about women's ages, but I feel it's 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 important. I do too. It, it, it's, I was gonna, yeah. it's important in, in in this in this regard. Betty, how how old are you? I'm 91 years old. And you Yay. were diagnosed with breast cancer when you were what? How many years ago do you think that was? That's she was been a while. probably in her 80s. Wow. That's what I was thinking. That yeah. maybe right at 80 or early 80s. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And That's ovarian cool. was. That's when I was 50. No, that was the pancreatic. pancreatic, And then 
There's so many. You're, she's having trouble keeping track. I it's know like, it is. You know, a, can, we need a scorecard here. I so. have all of this at home. The dates. But, but can you imagine how people listening to this? What what hope this gives? Oh I my mean, goodness! Yeah, Betty, for you to be in your 90s now after all of that. I mean, I'm still here. Yes, I know, ma'am. and thriving and yes, thriving yes, is just fantastic. It's it's amazing. I mean, and now Joy. I mean, obviously. You're a survivor of how many years? Uh, 25. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 24. 24. Okay. I don't okay. want to Yeah, we don't want to get to 25 too quick, right? But, <laughs> but that's great, too. So oh, definitely. All, all around, this is great for people to hear, yeah, that cancer is not a death sentence. No, not at all. Not at all. Even I'm, back when Betty was 50 years old. I mean, look at that. Right. Look at that. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. So that's great. Now, Betty, obviously you've had a little bit of help along the way through your, through your, your cancer journey. Tell us about that. Tell us about who, who really kind of came alongside you and kind of helped you through your cancer battles. My daughter. Ah, and that would be Miss Elaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Tell husband. Us a, okay. And all my friends. Perfect. Don't forget your son. Well, <laughs> yeah, how about Barry? It's kind of hard for Barry. <laughs> he helps out in any way he can. I yeah, think it's different I, he, with a son and a daughter. Oh, oh wow. sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. Now, Elaine, tell us, obviously, how many how many of these battles did you go through with Betty? All, all three? All three? Mm-hmm. Tell us, I mean, tell us your perspective as far as, you know, when, obviously, when they got the, gave you the diagnosis, I mean, what, what was running through your mind? Well, when she was first diagnosed, you know, it took probably about six months of going back and forth to different doctors. One said she had a pinched nerve because she had like a pain in her side. Right. And so. And that wasn't Barry. No. (laughs) And that wasn't Barry. (laughs) It was not Barry. Um, You know, they just, maybe she had um, an ulcer. She had this, she had that. And my mother's not a complainer. So we knew something was wrong and she was losing weight. So they decided to do the exploratory surgery, and then when they did, and the doctor came out and told us, I can remember at the old St. Margaret's Hospital, mm-hmm. um, them coming out and just saying they were sorry, there was nothing they could do. We just closed her back up. Well, at the end, at that point in time, you know, when you heard the word cancer, it was very scary. Well, sure. Yeah. So my so- father and I just looked at each other and. We just didn't know what we were going to do. I was just going to ask you. So, so they basically they opened her up. They sewed her back up. They came out and said, "We're sorry. There's nothing we can do." And that was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. And and why then, if they said that, why is it that they decided to do all the treatments of chemo and? That's they a didn't good question. Get, yeah, right. I mean they, that was her primary physician. Okay. He was not there that day, oh, but his partner he, was. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so, and I can't even remember who the surgeon was that day, but her primary doctor, his partner was there, and he came out and told us that. So I guess back then when you're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, that's just like, that's it. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying the next morning when she woke up, then Dr. Norgard was sitting on the floor holding her hand. None, I wasn't there. My dad, we had not gotten back to the hospital at that point in time right. that morning. 
And he, he told her that, you know, he was going to do everything he could. Way to go, Dr. Norgard. Exactly. No, gosh, what a guy he was. That is amazing. So, okay, so you, you go through this, you, you get over the hump, everything's going fine, and then cancer rears its ugly head again. Right. And what what was that like? Was that was that like, did that really kind of put you back on your heels? Like, oh, my goodness, we thought we had this taken care of, and now we're looking at another round? Kind of so, yes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting with my mother, and I never, ever ask her this question. And the rabbi, our rabbi, asked her um, when we spoke at the Joy to Life at the synagogue. He asked her, did you ever think you were going to die? And I never, I guess like mom, she never thought she was. She didn't worry about that. That wasn't an option. No, and I guess, <laughs> wow. I don't know if you call it dumb or just faith. Yeah, or what? I, I'll, I, I'll chalk it up right there. To faith, I, yes. I, you know, faith. I never. I guess the thought probably entered my mind. You know, I don't. I don't want my mother to pass away. Sure. I was in my twenties with her first diagnosis, and I, you know, I just had faith, and we had good doctors, and her attitude, and we had a lot of good friends, and I. It just so th- then when coming back to your question, when she was diagnosed the second time. With ovarian cancer, then we sort of put two and two together. Okay, maybe you didn't have um, pancreatic cancer the first time. Maybe it was misdiagnosed. Ah. Whatever, thank God. Right. You know, Dr. Norgard did what he did. It laid dormant for all those years, and now we're going to work and we're going to, you know, ovarian cancer, there's a high death rate with that. Yeah. So um, that was then Dr. Barnes was her doctor at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And the cancer center was here, and she went through treatments and, you no, know, Dr. Norgard left town. He, I was turned over to Dr. Barnes. Mm-hmm. Another so, wonderful doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. Right. So um, your daddy felt the same way. I mean, he was... I think so. My dad was working. Mom was working when she could. I was working. My brother was working. We never talked about Mama not making it. That's kind of strange, and I've never even thought about it until the night that, that the rabbi asked her. I, I don't know why I never thought about it. Yeah. Maybe my faith. I think so. I, I think you all have very strong faith is right. what I think. Yeah. It just, I just I didn't like the fact that she didn't feel good, that she had to go through the treatments. Because, of mm-hmm. course, with the first treatment, it was horrible because they didn't give you anything for nausea. They just gave her the straight chemo. Wow. She was very ill. Well, it's probably, I mean, you you got kind of the bad one out of the way first. Right. So it was like, okay, anything that's not worse than what I've been through already, I can, I, you know, you can handle right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm, I'm sure that probably helped a little bit as far as thinking, okay, we beat this once, we can go ahead we and we can, can do, do it, it again. again. Absolutely. Right. So. Absolutely. And I think her attitude Helped oh, all yeah. of us. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, what, pass away? Ain't nobody got time for that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to beat this, and then we're going to keep on going. It's like, we got stuff to do, y'all. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so you've so we've gotten through what we think may have been pancreatic. We've gotten through what we know is ovarian. Mm-hmm. And then here comes breast cancer. And how, how did that diagnosis come down? It was just a... A nodule in my breast, was it? It was. And they removed that, and then they, again, with the treatments. And, and it was found through a routine mammogram. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Did you do self-exam, Betty? No. No, see, I didn't either, so. I didn't know what I was looking for. Yeah. I didn't, you know, they say, feel this, feel that, feel the other. But it's I, so important. I know. But it's so important to do self-exam. Maybe I didn't want to know what, what mm-hmm. I had or if I had until it came to a head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember exactly how we ended up in Birmingham. Somebody, who sent us to Birmingham? I don't know, but we had a wonderful, wonderful doctor, doctor in Birmingham who was very interested in breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, so somebody thought it was important enough for Mother to go to Birmingham to meet with him. And so we did. And I cannot think of his, Kirby Bland, Dr. Kirby Bland. And so we met with him, and he took an interest in Mom. And, well, and myself, I, you're right. Who wouldn't? Everybody takes an interest in Betty. Sure. Right? And I and he was like, "You wait a minute. You have survived this, and you've survived this." And so he wanted us, my mother, to have genetic testing, right? Because we are Jewish, Ashkenazic descent, that from where my ancestors came from in Europe, and there is a high rate of breast cancer among women and men from I that did not area. Know that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And then not to mention my mother um, died of breast cancer when I was three years old. Oh, goodness. And she was 36, so she died at a young age. So he just insisted that she go through the um, genetic testing. So we went to UAB through the genetic counseling there with Mm -hmm. a wonderful young woman. And they don't just say, okay, we're just going to test you and you're positive or negative. They go through all, they tell you all about it, and um, your insurance cannot touch you if you are positive it's you're still you know going to be helped through your insurance they can't say there we're going to go. drop you or anything right which is wonderful for people oh, to know sure sure that is right. yes and she counseled with us i think two different times then they took mother's blood and they told us to come back at a certain date and so we had a time to come back and they were not going to test me unless she was positive mm-hmm. so oh, and i was positive so, well, she had an appointment for a mammogram that same day because we thought, well, we'll kill two birds with one stone. There you go. We're here. We're Why here. Not? So we went. She, they saw something on her mammogram that day, and that was the same day we were going to get the results back from her. Oh, my goodness. I know. So wow. when, it, when it rains, oh it pours. Oh, my goodness. Right. I didn't know that. So we knew no. then before we ever – so they, the, from what they saw on the mammogram, they said, you know, this is very, very suspicious. And with right. her history – so we made an appointment to come back for her to have that taken out, and we went over to the genetic center, and Mama told the lady, she said, you don't even have to tell me. She said, I know I'm positive. She said, I was just tested, and I had my mammogram, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I have breast cancer. And sure enough, she was positive. Wow. So then I was tested next since she was positive. Right. And it was very important to mother that I be tested because oh, sure. I think she just wanted to know. Sure. And I do not have any biological children, so I didn't have anybody I would pass it on to. But it would just be for peace of mind for me and for her. Well, yeah. And thank goodness I was a negative. There you go. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. So I know your mama was happy about well, that. Well, she was. She was very and you happy. You were overjoyed. Yes, I, I was. Yeah. Not to say that, I, you know, not would, that I couldn't, but my chances are like anyone else's. Right. My son was equally needed to. He could have do had the that, gene. He, he just what didn't want to. Do he it. chose not to be tested. Oh, Barry, come on. <laughs> oh, so he and he, he. You don't think he ever will? No. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just, it's, you know, it's a personal. Well, sure. I mean, well, and, it is. and that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a lot, but I mean, right. I'm, I mean, I got to tell you with, with your mom as a role model, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead bring right. it, bring it. I mean, you know, if, we, if we've all gotten through what we've gotten through so far, yeah, it doesn't matter what gets thrown at us. Right. I love my brother, but I, you know, we are very different in a lot of ways sure. and some people just don't want to know. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. My mother's sister was tested. She has one sister who has since passed away, but she did not want, I mean, she was tested and she was negative. Right. So the genes didn't fall through her, but my mom, you know, evidently. Such an interesting thing. And all three of those cancers are very tied together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. Exactly. So for the BRAC gene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she has, really she interesting. Has three, three children and so far none of them have come up with any kind of cancer. And I don't think they've ever been tested for anything, have they? They have not. But since she was um, negative, they did not recommend that her children had, you know, be Didn't tested. Have to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But she had grandchildren, so it was important for you know everybody for my aunt to be tested right. also. Well, now I want to I want to talk to Betty about something. Obviously, you have been through a lot, my dear, and I know just from talking to Joy and and just reading the article that that you guys did uh, in our magazine, you've got a very positive outlook, and I want to know. How in the world do you maintain that with having gone through three cancer diagnoses and, and obviously three cancer treatments and all of that? How, how do you kind of keep that positive attitude going? I don't know. It's just the way I am. It's just the way you're wired, huh? I think Elaine takes after me, too. <laughs> I, I know I would. <laughs> it seems to have really held you in good stead through all of this. So you've always been positive. Mm-hmm. Young. And always uh-huh. doing for others. I think that kind of, she didn't focus on herself, did you, Mom? Mm-hmm. She was always, um, Just this is just a little side note, but the other day I was taking my mother and another lady to um, a luncheon. My mother's 91, this other lady's 90. We're on our way over there, and my mother who's on a walker, says to me, when we get there, I'll go up and get Margie. <laughs> I said, first of all, I said, how's that going to make me look? <laughs> said, you want to look good, don't you? I mean, I, she's just always thinking of other people. She that, is and always has. Yes. Is, is, that's amazing. I mean, always. Your well, daddy, too. Yes, daddy was very you, much Both your way. parents, Elaine, have been nothing but been thinking of other people, good, people and, good parents and they taught oh, my brother gosh. and I to always do for others well you know and i think that honestly probably has a lot to do with keeping that positive attitude because if you're not looking inward and you're not trying you're not magnifying your own problems mm-hmm. and you're trying to help someone else with whatever they may be going through mm-hmm. then you don't have time to to have a pity party or to, or to feel badly or to get in a bad mood it's true. Yes, it's true. Do Doing for others is really great medicine. It is. It, it is. is. Right. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much that Betty could could share with us just, just about life. Um, you came to Montgomery right when I was born. Is that right, Betty, in 47? Uh, no, we didn't oh. come here till. Oh, I was very little. You were young. 1950, wasn't it? 50, 50, 50. You married at 48, and Daddy yeah. was still in school and at my Alabama. Husband, my husband was still at, in college. 
Roll Tide. Yeah, I Thank you for throwing that in. I've never heard of Roll or Tide. <laughs> <laughs> so we moved here in 50. I'm, I came down south. I didn't think I was going to live in the south. I was going to live in Missouri where I was from. But I was, you know, coming down here. And he was in college, and I didn't go to school or anything at that time. I was only 18 years old. And I thought, I don't want to start a college here because I'd been to one year to a girls' school, which one of my friends loved could always say she went to a finishing school. Oh, <laughs> my. I'd love to say that Betty went to a finishing school. <laughs> So we lived in Tuscaloosa till he graduated in 50, and there were not very many uh, jobs in 1950 for a college graduate. So he came, um, we met, went back to St. Joe, Missouri, where I was from, which we thought we were going to be doing. And um, he couldn't find anything in St. Joe, so he decided he'd go to Kansas City. It was just 50 miles away. He was going to commute if he got a job. I said, you're not going to commute. I wouldn't let him drive on the highway there, probably because I was his teacher. He'd never driven a car before. <laughs> oh, he hadn't. His family didn't have a car. He'd never driven a car. Oh. Yeah, probably not the person you want to just turn loose on the highway in Kansas City. I think that was that was a really smart move there, yeah. Betty. But he went to... Um, the company that makes um, pots that you put on the stove and then you put something on top of that. And pressure cooker? Pressure cooker. He went to that company, which was, I thought I'd never forget the name of it. Uh, he went there because it was a big company, and that was his, um, his field. And he saw the president, and the president said, asked him all about his background and his college and where he was from, and he said, Oh, you're from Alabama, aren't you? And he said, yes, I'm, a, I'm from Alabama. And he asked him some more questions like that. And he said, excuse me, sir, but if you want to know if I'm Jewish, I'll be happy to tell you because we're just wasting our time. And I am Jewish, and I'm not interested in whatever you have, might have to for me. And he got up and walked out. Wow. About, wow. And about that time... Uh, his mother called him and said his uncle Solly, Salburn, mm -hmm. they owned uh, two stores and he needed somebody in one of them because one of the other stores didn't have enough help. Pawn, he said, pawn we, shops, we, pawn we, stores. We grabbed yeah. that. We turned right around, packed up everything, and came back to Montgomery and haven't moved a bit. There you go. Wow. And he ended up working for him. He really wasn't his uncle Sally, but he was like his uncle. He was close, very close. Uh, my mother-in-law and his mother were best friends, and it was a very close family relationship all the years. And we ended up, both of us, working for them. And then as they got older, they owned Vic Vic Victorian Furniture, and they went, both went, he and his brother went out there leaving the stores to us. And so we were lucky enough to be able to purchase those stores. Wow, that's so wonderful. I worked there until I was 75 years old. And I left when my husband left. And then our son is now taking our place. Uh, and now grandson. 
and my grandson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Between Boy Scout camp and <laughs> pawn shop, he's really busy. <laughs> he takes after his grandmother. Yeah, he's a, he's a wonderful boy. He really is. He's always worked at the camp, at the um, Boy Scout camp, and he told me this winter. He said he got married last year, right in the middle of everything, and she has a little boy that's uh, nine. He never had a father, and my grandson became his immediate father. They just both just matched. Which is a sweet story in itself. Right. Yeah. Well, if he's anything like his grandmother, then I can see why (laughs) everyone would just be attached. Everybody likes David because he's so sweet and so nice and so helpful. And... um, he told me that he wasn't going to go back to camp this year. He's been to camp every year ever since he was a Boy Scout himself. He's been a camp director every year. Okay. And I said, well, David, if you can't do it, he said, I've got a wife now and i got a child, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> Next thing I know, I hear, i got to go to camp. <laughs> so, You're going to camp? He said, well, they talked me into it. I said, how'd they, talk they, how'd they talk you into it? He said, well, they sort of upped Annie from what they usually pay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that did the little trip. There you go. That almost sounds like a book title, Boy Scouts and Pawn Shops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That could be the beginning of a book. There you go. There you, you go. Write one, well, Betty, when you, when you came back to Montgomery, mm-hmm. Um, in the 50s, you, you liked Montgomery right away. I know you, you were here at a time when things were so different than they are now. I loved it from the minute I came here. You did. You just found it friendly. And, I did. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That Southern hospitality it won really or over. Was. It really was. And there were a lot of other young couples our age that didn't have anything more than we had. So we were all kind of all on the same page we'll all have nothing together that's right (laughs) and we stayed friends till the day they died they were our best friends in fact wow that never changed huh somewhere in that in that story that elaine told that uh jerry berlin used to take me for my treatments and he was scared to death he didn't know what's going to happen and I said, Jerry, nothing's going to happen. You just sit down out there and wait, and I'll be out in a few minutes. And then this horrible, horrible storm came. And he said, I'm not taking you anymore. I'll take you home today, but I'm not taking you place again. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> he did. He took her for every one of her radiation treatments with her first go-round. Wow. And how many, I mean, everybody was working. I was working, my brother, my dad, which we could have you know, taking her. We would have worked something out. But Jerry was a special individual, and he he didn't really work a whole lot at that point in time. And he said, well, I can take your mom. Now, how many men, this was back when 40-some-odd years ago, do you know that would he picked my mother up every day, took her to Baptist hospitals where she had her radiation, Mm -hmm. and took her home for seven weeks, Monday through Friday. Wow. Wow. That that is amazing. I mean, and, and that's something that we have heard throughout these podcasts that we've been doing is nobody goes through this alone Mm -hmm. and the support system that people have, whether it's church, whether it's family, whether it's friends is a crucial element as far as getting through 
whatever life has handed you. And, right. and, and it's, it's nice to hear, obviously, the family element is there, but having, having Jerry <laughs> be Jerry... Right. That that's that's wonderful. I mean, everybody needs a Jerry. Everybody does. It's true. Yes. Yeah. There's it's another true. book title. Everybody, everybody needs, needs a Jerry. Jerry. Everybody needs <laughs> right. a Jerry. I mean, the family is at home with you, dealing with everything mm-hmm. at home, and you know, you, I mean, your lives have to go on too. Sure. Especially if you're working or have young children or or other responsibilities, and you want the life to be as normal as possible for the person going through. Mm-hmm. the treatments and for the whole family that's well, right and if you try to treat it as oh this is going on it's you lose I know. something you have there to, yes it's so important to try to keep maintain things normalcy as normal. oh my gosh yeah well and i mean and let's be honest betty i mean it was kind of nice to have somebody different besides the family you know take you for your treatments right it's like oh good i get to spend some time with jerry <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because I'm, I'm sure after, after a while, you know, I mean, like you said, life happens, and right. so it's like to kind of have a little breath of fresh air, have a little breather, where somebody else comes in and takes that off your plate. I'm sure that was, that was, that was a really good thing. Right. It was. Yeah. And I, did, I couldn't eat all that time. I had no appetite. I guess it settled in my stomach that I better better care of myself so I stopped eating most everything except just what they, the doctor told me I should have so finally one night I said to Harold I'd like to have a hamburger and some french fries and he said you would <laughs> God, I jumped out when I got it everybody in Montgomery knew the next day I'd eat <laughs> it was big news it was it was great news <laughs> That was the beginning of my appetite coming back. Wonderful. You just don't have too much will to be eating when you're feeling that bad. At least I didn't. Kind yeah. of the last thing on your mind is food. Uh, is food. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, Betty, mm-hmm. what advice would you give someone who may be right now, maybe they've just got a cancer diagnosis or maybe they're going through treatment? What What kind of advice would you give them to kind of keep a positive attitude and to to try to help them through is there anything that you could pass along that was maybe beneficial in your life something maybe something some some wisdom someone passed along to you or well you have to depend on your doctors that's number one you have to like your doctor you have to do what your doctor tells you and you'll get along very well and just uh, share your problems with people if they ask you you tell them and they don't ask you, you don't tell them. They're, they're not interested, it's okay. But I found out that I had to, I did let, uh, depend on all of my friends for everything besides my family, because the only family I had was my mother-in-law, father-in-law, my husband, my daughter, and my son, and that was the only family we have here. Right. And Everybody else was just like family and did everything for us, too. If you have to depend on somebody for something, it's not bad. People say, oh, I don't want to have to ask them to do something to take me or to fix something for me to eat. I don't right. feel like cooking or right. something, you know. People want you to help ask them to help you. That's right. And what one thing I learned was you don't... Um, you don't wait for them to ask you. 
you ask them. Right. Well, and, and I have heard it described as, too, that if, if you don't ask, then you're potentially denying somebody of that blessing of actually being able to do something for you. So you're actually keeping them from having that goodness come into their life if you mm-hmm. actually don't ask. So right. Now, Elaine, right. I'll, I'll ask the same question to you. Any, any advice? Obviously, since uh, you've been a caregiver for three go-rounds. Right. Um, anything that you can pass along? Any wisdom that you'd like to drop? Well, I'm, I would, like I said, I was young and very probably immature when mother was first diagnosed. I was single, living out on my own. And, um, and I tell people, and, I know, and I, it's kind of hard for some people to understand, but I think my mother being diagnosed when I was so young and then the other two cancer journeys I went through with her shaped me into the person that I am today. Sure. And I can remember the first time maybe going with mother to um, a funeral or a visitation saying, what do I say? I don't, I'm nervous. I don't want to go. I was young, but old enough to be able to go. And uh, she said, you don't have to say anything. They know why you're here. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> I, you know, I've just learned when you don't just ignore, like people, I'm afraid to say to somebody, oh, I heard you have cancer. Or, you, you know, you just, it's, it's part of life. Sure. And you just, you know, say, I'm so sorry, you know, that you're going through this, you know, but you're going to get through it. And, you know, we're, there's plenty of us around here that's going to help you get through it. And just do for people. There you go. Just do for people. Just like Mom said, you don't ask. You just, you just do. Yeah. Well, Betty, we were talking um, a little bit earlier about you came to Montgomery in, in the 50s, in mm-hmm. 1950. Mm-hmm. And I know things have changed so much since then. So, and I know that, that you have some stories about those times, and particularly the, the bus boycott and the things that people were going through at that time. And I just hope that you have some memories that you can share with us about that. Well, we had this wonderful lady that took care of my children, and nothing was going to keep me from going there in the morning and picking her up and taking her home at night. And everybody thought I was crazy, and I said, well, I'm sorry. If she's good enough to take care of my children, I'm certainly good enough to bring her to my house. In fact, when um, I delivered you, Harold had to, my husband had to go get her and to come and stay with Barry until he could come back from the hospital. You know, he took me to the hospital, and I got her. You got me. Thank goodness (laughs) we got her. She's the belle of our ball, I'll tell you that, I'm sure. Well, I don't know about that, but um, but I was... I was very blessed to be born into your family, or as you said, you got me. Um, you and Daddy taught me a lot, and Barry. And um, I've, I tell this story often to my friends that um, you and Daddy always taught us to treat everybody equal. Nobody was better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, you lived that way. It didn't matter how much money someone had, what kind of house they had. You liked them for the person that they were, and. If they didn't like you for what you didn't have, it didn't, you know, they weren't really your friends. And the story that I always remember was being in Loveman's in Normandale. And Mother and I were standing there, and there was a water fountain that said whites and one that said colored. And I I had to be young, but I was old enough to be able to read. And I looked. I said, Mama, 
why does that say whites and why does that say colored? And she grabbed my hand and she said, I don't know, but it's wrong. Wow. Wow. And I've never, ever forgotten that. And, you know, and it, it was wrong. It is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it will always be wrong. Everybody's right. the same. Nobody is better than no. anybody else. And I learned that from my parents. They, they didn't just teach us that. They, it was an example that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. When yes. it's on display. I mean, they right. always say, you know, it's better caught than taught. Right. And, and obviously you caught a lot. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, growing up in the South, it, it wasn't easy. Um, and being Jewish, it wasn't easy. Exactly. Um, exactly. I have several friends that, um, and I've asked them, I said, do you want me to say you're colored, you're black? They said, well, I am black. That You just <laughs> say that I am black. And I said, well, you know, I can look at you and tell you are. People can't look at me and tell that I'm Jewish. But I said, once people find out when you're young, you 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 go through some things that um, that are mm-hmm. not fun, mm-hmm. it's prejudices. And um, so I, maybe that's what makes us be sympathetic to everybody because we know how it feels. And it's, yeah. not, it's not fun. That's and right. And it's not right. Because you and I both have experienced right. that. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, so. um, but I'm just thankful that my parents just taught me to love everybody and um, treat everybody the same. What a legacy. That's right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. We have just loved having y'all here. Betty, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. Oh, thank you, Betty. Thank you. I'm delighted that you asked me to, to share with you. And, of course, Elaine, we appreciate you being here as well. Thank you very oh, much. absolutely. I've thank y'all it, so much. that somebody listening will be encouraged by what Mom has had to say and what are the miraculous story she has to tell and i think many people will be helped from this i really do and i want everybody to remember that betty is in her 90s which is a great thing (laughs) there you go a very good thing the proof is in the pudding (laughs) right (laughs) all right thank you joy for inviting us you're an inspiration to thank you everyone also thank you thank you All right. Thank you for listening to Everything Joy to Life, a podcast of the Joy to Life Foundation and a production of Big Dreams Creative. For more episodes and to find out more about the life-saving mission of the Joy to Life Foundation, visit joytolife.org. That's J-O-Y-T-O-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. Or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm your host, Tommy Fields. My co-host, as always, is Joy Blondheim. Our producer is Nancy Fields. And we want to thank our community champion sponsor, Baptist Health, along with our supporting sponsor, the Alabama Department of Public Health, for helping us make these podcasts happen. And as always, we wish you all health, happiness, and joy to life.